Matthew chapter 5 this morning. Matthew chapter 5. The most famous sermon that's ever been preached is the Sermon on the Mount. Um, Read it in 20 short minutes. But it's one of those sermons that changed the world. It changed everybody's perspective on everything. Now, we're going to begin to look at it today. But as we begin to look at it, I I want us to catch some thoughts of of why we're looking at it. We're disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, that's the... That's the, the whole plan as far as Christianity is concerned. <clears throat> you know, ha, when the Lord Jesus Christ went back to heaven, he told the disciples, he said to them, all right, now, um, <clears throat> so now go and preach the gospel, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, uh, and the Holy Ghost. That, that, that's the plan. And it's always been the plan of Christianity. Now, but the idea is making disciples. Now, <clears throat> making disciples is different than going through a training program. You see, disciples... Uh, it was a very common form of training in the days of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, if you wanted to be a shepherd, you didn't go to agricultural school and learn about shepherding. What you did was you went with the shepherd, and you learned what the shepherd did. And after a time, you knew the ropes as far as being a shepherd was concerned, and you took over and you became a shepherd. If you wanted to be a lawyer, you didn't go to a law school what you did was you went with the lawyer and you listened to him and you learned from him. And, uh, you know, he, as he spoke, you learned the art of how to argue your case and all the rest of it. You know, but what you did was he communicated his heart to you, so you were, you were his disciple. And very often people were known because of who they trained under. Paul trained under Gamaliel. Right, he was big noise as far as um, religion was concerned, as far as the Jewish faith is concerned. So, you know, uh, who you trained under imparted their heart to you, and you became a replica of them in, in, in so many words. Now, Christianity is to be like that. But obviously, we're not to become replicas of each other. Paul said this. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Right? So what, what, what was the, the, the game plan? The game plan was that what they were going to do was they were going to be... Be pictures of Christ. That's what a Christian is. It's a little Christian, somebody who's like Christ. Right? So we're supposed to be like Christ. Now, when it comes to being like Christ, you know, we can talk about what would Jesus do. Um, but that doesn't actually get it. Because trying to work out what Jesus would do and you doing it doesn't actually make you a disciple. It just has you trying to work out how he did it. And, you know, it's going to be flawed how you work it out. But the Beatitudes, Warren Wiersbe calls them the Beatitudes, emphasis on the B. And he talks about them, this is what we're to be, or this is who we're supposed to be in our hearts. Right? So that if we let these, the, 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 the words of this sermon affect us in our hearts, it radically transforms us into disciples. That's what we become. We, we become the picture of Jesus. We, we live like Jesus. <clears throat> now, they are radical. They are now and always have been, you know, at total odds with, with the world's idea of what you're supposed to be. You see, understand that. that we, we, we have this idea of Christianity <laughs> that, you know, we're going to be Christians, but what we're going to do is we're going to, you know, we're going to take the best of the world, and we're going to take the best of Christianity, and we're going to work the two together, and we'll be fine. That's, that's Christianity in our modern day. But it doesn't work. 
Because they're, they're two totally different streams of philosophy. They're two totally different ways of life. They're two totally different hearts. And, you know, if you go to uh, a self-help school or uh, to a life coach, they won't teach you the Beatitudes. Now, inadvertently, they'll teach you some of them. But they will not set out to teach you the Beatitudes. They'll, they'll teach you something completely different. And... <clears throat> Really, there's a choice that needs to be made uh, for each one of us. Do we really want Christ on that scale, on that level? Do we really want him? You know, how much of it do we want? Because obviously you can, you can be saved and go to heaven and never really grapple with the reality of the Beatitudes. Obviously, lots of people do. But do we really want Christ on that level? Now... <clears throat> When we look at the Beatitudes, they're not soft and hippie-like and, you know, <clears throat> all woozy like that. They're gritty. There's grit in them. There's got to be grit in you to actually be this or to do this. But <clears throat> ultimately, your relationship with God is going to be hugely impacted by what you do with these words. See, there are certain things in Christianity, you know, that are kind of peripherals. Like there are lots of peripheral things in Christianity. You know, the building we meet in, well, that's really a peripheral. I mean, I'm glad for it. It's such a help. It's such a blessing in our day and age. But really, it's peripheral, you know. Uh, folks, we could meet in a shed somewhere. And we could still worship. That wouldn't be as nice. wouldn't be as comfortable for us, but we could still worship. <clears throat> you know, that, 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 that's a peripheral. Um, you know, there are certain things that we do. That in our lives that are peripheral, you know. <clears throat> but when we come to the Beatitudes, they're integral. Let, let me kind of illustrate it for you like this, right? <clears throat> there are certain things about a car that are peripheral, and there are certain things about a car that are integral, right? <clears throat> I have a rear windscreen wiper on the back of my car. I rarely use it. If it was broken, it probably wouldn't bother me much at all. The once or twice a year that I actually use it, it would, be, <clears throat> would be a nuisance, but it wouldn't bother me much if it wasn't there at all. It wouldn't affect my driving. It wouldn't affect uh, anything I did as far as the car was concerned. You know, that, that, that's a peripheral. Now, <clears throat> I have brakes on the car. They're not peripheral. It's really <clears throat> difficult for me to drive the car if I can't stop the car. You know, it's kind of a scary thought, even. <clears throat> By the way, don't you thank the Lord for the NCT? Because of the NCT, cars don't drive around with no brakes anymore. Before the NCT, they did. Uh, all kinds of things happened in cars before the NCT. <clears throat> but, you know, that's not a peripheral. That's an integral. Now, <clears throat> if you want to come to the most integral part of the car, it's the engine. You see, I can have a car that has no windscreen wiper. I can have a car without brakes, and it's dangerous, and I get it fixed. But if I have a car without an engine, it's not really a car. I, I might use it, you know, it might be pretty. I may polish it and make it look good. I might grow flowers out the windows of it and make it look good. But it's not a car. It has to have an engine for it to be a car. It has to actually go somewhere and, and do something for it to be a car. Now, <clears throat> when it comes to our Christianity, what we're looking at is integral to our Christianity. Now, don't for a moment get, get the point where I say, well, if, you, if the Beatitudes are not true in your life, you're not saved. That's not what I'm saying. You can be saved and, and not walk with God in this way. 
You can go to heaven and not walk with God in this way. I'm not saying that. What I am saying, though, integral to you being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ is what you do with these things. You know, so they're not something that we can just fluff off and say, man, they're, 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 I wish I understood what they mean because, you know, uh, they're, they're, they're kind of heady. We've got to grapple with them, understand them, and then not just kind of do them. It's be them. They've got to become who we are. Now, here's what you find when you let God work that out in you. Because obviously you can't do that. Obviously that's the thing God does in you. That's not something you do. What you find when you let God work that out in you is you find that your relationship with God soars. You find that your ability to deal with the world is much enhanced. What you find is you find that although at first glance it doesn't look like they'd make you a winner at all. They make you a winner in Christianity and a winner in life. Because that's what God is talking about. <clears throat> We're going to talk about the idea of blessed. And blessed basically is happy. But you know what? It's more than just happy in yourself. It's happy in God's eyes. <clears throat> but this is the way for you to have the life. Now, you are perfectly at liberty to choose less for yourself. Nobody can force you. You know, there's no way we could, we, we could have a set of rules, you know. Uh, so every Sunday morning, people come to church, and we ask them, okay, have you, have you been the, um, <clears throat> the Sermon on the Mount this week? Have you actually done the things? That, that, that's impossible. Nobody can do that to you. This is where you listen to the Lord Jesus Christ speaking, and you say, Lord, I want that. Lord, help me. I'm not I want that, Lord. Help me, Lord. I... <clears throat> Let's have a word of prayer, and then we're going to read. We'll read through the Beatitudes, and um, then we'll come and we'll look at the first one today. Father in heaven, we ask you, Lord, would you help us? Uh, Lord, we desperately need your help when it comes to the depth and the reality uh, of the truth that we're about to look at. And Lord, it doesn't come to us by nature, and uh, Lord, there's a real sense in which the world and our very nature fights against it. But Lord, would you help us today uh, to see your truth and to take it on board? In Jesus' precious name, amen. All right, so Matthew chapter 5. We're reading verses 1 through 12. Right? And seeing the multitudes, he went up into the mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying... Now, this is early in his ministry, and what he's talking about is revolutionary, but... Not the normal revolution, it's spiritually revolutionary. And as you go through the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, he's going to make that incredible statement, except your righteousness, exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. You shall in no wise enter the kingdom of God. I mean, that was, <clears throat> that was a, a completely incredible saying, not just for the Pharisees, but for the people that were listening to him. Because they all imagined that if they could only be as good as the Pharisees, they'd be in. But he's saying, no, that wouldn't work. There needs to be a whole... So he's talking about... What he's doing is uh, he's scrapping what they know as religion and he's telling them there's something entirely different, entirely better that I have for you. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Right, so <clears throat> tremendous truth there, uh, a depth of truths. And what it's describing is the inner qualities of a true disciple, the inner qual- who we are to be on the inside, the kind of heart of a true disciple. Now you look at them, and <clears throat> you know, uh, apart from you dealing with them and grappling with them and letting the Holy Spirit grapple with them, I guarantee they're not there for you. You know, <clears throat> they, 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 they won't just fall into place in your life. It's something that you really need to embrace. It's something that you need to overcome the obstacles in your mind, and you need to to embrace them. Um, They challenge us to inquire uh, as to the state of our health. Let me ask you. You know, we hear much today about getting fit, and about getting our blood pressure down, and about dieting and all the rest of those things. And they're important, right? There's much talk about them today, right? You know, it's hard to pass through a day without somebody hitting you with something in regard. Because our physical bodies are important. They're going to last us 70 years, so we need to look after them and take care of them. Right? But, but what about your spiritual health? What about your, your internal well-being? If somebody was to ask you, are you happy? It's kind of a hard question, isn't it? Because you're well, yeah, 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 I'm happy. But really, are you happy? Are you happy in your home? Are you happy in your work? Are you happy in your church? Are you happy? Truth, if, if we were to be truthful, most of us would give you a set of circumstances that if these circumstances were right in my life, I would be happy. But it's not got to do with circumstances. It's got to do with what's on the inside. It's got to do with who we are on the inside. Because we're never going to come to a place in life where <clears throat> the circumstances all make us happy. There's always going to be problems and issues. That, that if we're looking at life from the perspective of, well, you know, <clears throat> I, 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 I want to be happy. And, and if I pursue happiness, I'm always going to fail. Because it's not about what's out there. It's about what's in here. And what needs to be dealt with is what's on the inside no, what's on the outside? What's on the outside is not going to fix it. It's what's on the inside. You see, the source of our discontent and the source of our unhappiness is what's on the inside. And so <clears throat> the Beatitudes really, spiritually speaking, you know, can give us one of those things where <clears throat> what we're doing is we're, we're looking at our spiritual health. Where are we spiritually in terms of spiritual health? Where, where do we stand? You know, where are we in the internals of Christianity? You know, if I go out and look at your car, and your car is polished, it looks fantastic. Right? And, you know, you, you show me the, the, the dashboard, and it's got all lights on it, and it looks fantastic. And the seats are all leather, you know, and it smells fantastic on the inside. And the tires are shiny black, and they've got loads of thread on them and so on. And... You know, I might assume that your car was a great car, but if you turned on the engine and it clanked and clattered and made all kinds of noise, I'd know there was a problem with your car, wouldn't I? See, the internals would reveal the problem. 
the internals of our lives reveal where we're really at. Are you happy? Don't blame the circumstances. Don't blame somebody else. Are you happy? You see, if you're not happy, what are you going to do about it? If you continue doing what you've been doing about it for the rest of your life, you're never going to achieve it. Where you need to come to is the place where you say, hang on a minute. I'm going to deal with this. You see, it opens with blessed. Or we, we, we term it glibly happy, but, but it's more than happy. Uh, it's the Greek word makarios. And the word itself doesn't even apply to human emotions. It's a statement of how God views people who live a certain way. The root idea of blessed is approved by God. One writer put it this way, right? He, he, he changed it around uh, to, 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 to include that. Changed the Beatitudes around to include that thought, right? Uh, he said, God applauds the poor in spirit. He cheers the mourners. He favors the meek. He smiles upon the hungry. He honors the merciful. He welcomes the pure in heart. He claps for the peacemakers. He rises to greet the persecuted. Now, here's what he's saying, and here's what he's trying to communicate to us, right? This idea of, listen, the only thing that would really make me happy is God's smile on my life. That's the only thing that would really make me happy. The circumstances never will, but God's smile on my life, that would make me happy. And he's saying, if you want God's smile on your life, then this is the way to go. Now, 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 don't, don't go, kind of go the wrong. You, you mean to say, if I don't obey these, then God hates me? No, no, I didn't say that. You know, sometimes we think of God, and we do him such a disservice, we think of him, him, of him as being quicksilver. It's either my way or the highway. You either get it all right, you get it all wrong, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking to you. That's not the way God operates, obviously, because if that's the way God operates, we'd all be dead. Fair enough? <laughs> you know, he would have taken us all out of it long ago, uh, because we all get it wrong. What God does is God deals with us on the basis of what we're willing to give him. But if you want the most, if you want the best, then this is what you need to take on board. This is what you need to apply in your life. You need to take these issues. And, you know, the Beatitudes kind of are the preamble. They're the introduction. Then you go to the Sermon on the Mountain, you hit some deep stuff. You know how you're supposed to treat enemies and Prayer and deep stuff that we're going to hit as we go through this sermon. <clears throat> but what God, what God is saying to you is, listen, if you want the life, this is how you're going to go about it. Right? So which may mean we need to change some things. Now, change is always a pain. But it's always, you know, weighed against the value to us. And by the way, <clears throat> get the thought out of your mind that God... Uh, wants you to serve him, you know, because he wants you to serve him because you need to do it. God knows you so well. He's built rewards in every step of the way. And why did he build rewards in? He built rewards in because he wants to encourage you because he knows what he made you. He knows what you're like. So there's, there's rewards every step of the way for when you actually obey God. And there, there are rewards in this. The reward is you're blessed. You have his smile in this area of your life. <clears throat> the question I suppose this morning for us is, how much do we want God's approval in our lives? How much do we want God's smile on our lives? How big a deal is it with us? Well, I got a lot of, a lot of other things I want too. Well, that's fair enough. You can make that choice. Nobody can, nobody can force your hand. Nobody can make you love God more than you want to. 
You know, you, you have the choice. You can choose it. <clears throat> Do you want it more than you want the approval of your family and friends? Well, I want them to be pleased with me. And I mean, if I go all out for, on this Christian thing and get involved in all this thing, you know, listen, I, I wouldn't have their approval. Okay, well, you're making a choice there. You're saying I value their approval more than I want God's approval. And listen, <clears throat> you're perfectly entitled to make that. There's a price tag on it, but you're perfectly entitled to make that choice. You can, you can choose that. <clears throat> Don't want to, more than the approval of the people where you work, more than the approval of your colleagues. I want to get on with the job. I want to look well. I want to do well. I want people to be pleased with me. You know, listen, <clears throat> if you're prepared to bend, uh, do things that are, that are not what God would have you to do and live a different way, then that's, again, you can choose that. God's not going to cast you out of the kingdom and, and um, <clears throat> be done with you because of it. But the truth is, you're not going to have the blessedness it's talking about here in your life. Uh, <clears throat> do, you want, do you want it more than even the approval of your closest loved one? That's, that's where it comes down to it. Very often, it's amazing to me, you know, <clears throat> to watch the decisions people make. And people make decisions because they want somebody to approve them, approve of them. They want somebody to love them. And so they make decisions that they know God is not pleased with, but they'll say, well, look, it's the way it is. It's the way it is. Now, that's a choice. That's a choice between God and a person. And understand it. You're entitled to make it, but at least understand the decision that you're making. Then I can choose to please somebody or I can choose to please God. And, um, <clears throat> you know, that, that's up to me. I can do it. I can, I can make that choice. God's not going to come down out of heaven, you know, and smite me for doing it. Uh, he's going to let me choose. See, you've got to be careful in those choices. By the way, you've got to be careful of your heart. Your heart is, a, is deceitful and desperately wicked, and who can know it? Listen, I would not trust a lying, thieving scoundrel like your heart is. Because that's what the Bible says. It's deceitful and it's desperately wicked. Don't trust it. Don't go on what your heart does. We live in the day and age of follow your heart. Follow your heart where? Not anywhere good. Don't just follow your heart. You, know, you, you need to think things through. You need to understand, you know, I'm making a decision. And I'm making a decision that, that affects my relationship with God. That's going to affect the blessedness of my life. Um, <clears throat> if you want God, God's approval, that badly you can have it. Now, now, let me explain this to you. This is not about you taking on board the Beatitudes, you know, and getting them on your mirror in the morning and repeating the Beatitudes every morning and say, okay, okay, I've got to be mournful today, okay? Okay, sad face, I've got to be mournful. <laughs> this is not about you taking on the Beatitudes and deciding that you're going to do them with grim determination every day. You're not, you're not capable of doing them. What you're doing is you're putting yourself in his hands and asking him to change you, and you're saying, I'm willing. I'm willing. I am willing to be changed. I am willing to let you change me, Lord. That's what I want. I'm not able, but I'm willing to let you change me, Lord. Will you do it? And I'm going to obey. I'm going to follow. <clears throat> because you can't do it. It's, <clears throat> it's, it's not possible for you to do it. You see, if you really want it and you come to him, he will supply the power and he will enable you. Christianity does not have to be superficial and fluffy. And it is a lot of times in our day and age. It can be real and deep. And the real and deep comes when we grapple with stuff like we're looking at here and we actually kind of come to terms with it and deal with it and let God have his way in our lives, right? 
Okay? So if you, if you want it, it's yours. So what then does it mean to be poor in spirit? Um, in some ways, it's kind of a mysterious way to begin the Beatitudes, you know, because we, we say poor in spirit. Okay, does it mean I'm supposed to be poor? Does it mean I'm supposed to be humble? What, is it, what exactly does it mean to be poor in spirit? What, is, what does it mean for me to be uh, poor in spirit? Well, let me, let me tell you a couple of things it doesn't mean, right? <laughs> First of all, it's not, not a reference point to actual poverty. Jesus did say, <clears throat> Hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which hath, pro- hath promised of, uh, to them that love him? But <clears throat> that's in James. But we're, we're not talking about the idea here uh, of us being financially poor. There is a reality, you know, that we tend to trust in riches. But that's a separate thing, right? We trust in riches rather than trusting in God. Riches are not wrong. Money's not wrong. Trusting in them is the problem. That's the, and by the way, we're rich. I know you don't feel rich. I know if you showed me your bank account, I wouldn't think you were rich. Uh, but by comparison to all the generations that have gone before us, we're rich. We are comfortable. There's two words for poor. <clears throat> In, in the Greek. And the, the, the first word means you're, you're on hard times. You know, and, um, you know, you, you really haven't got enough comfortably to live, and you may be short, and you're not sure where the next meal is coming from, um, you know, but, you know, you're surviving. The other word is uh, to be poverty-stricken, to be destitute. It means by the side of the road, without any hope, and with no paycheck coming in this week and no dole money or anything else, listen, you're done for. Right? And um, that's the word that it uses here. Poor in spirit. Absolutely poverty-stricken. But it's not poverty-stricken financially. It's poverty-stricken spiritually. What that means is I understand I have nothing to offer God at all, ever. In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And I've recognized it. Now, this is key to us. It's so, so important that we actually <clears throat> um, grab the meaning of this because here's what it means to us. There's never coming a day when I can draw myself up to my full height and stand before God. Never. That's not going to happen. You know, really, Christianity and pride don't belong in the same sentence. What would a Christian have to be proud of? What would a Christian have in their lives that they would actually think, hey, I've got this together? Here's the deal. How how do we get saved? Well, we came to Jesus and we knelt at the foot of the cross. And the reality of the blood that flowed touched our lives. And based upon the salvation that's found in that blood, we're saved. Now, it wasn't my blood that was shed. It was his blood that was shed for me. And apart from that blood being shed, I couldn't even come into the presence of God. Apart from that blood being shed... God wouldn't be in the same room as me. Apart from that that blood being shed, a meeting with God would have been instant destruction in my life. That's the reality. I deserved hell, but he saved me. Now, 
That's who I am before God. Now you say, does he not love us then? Yes, of course he loves us. But he doesn't love us because we're cute. He doesn't love us because we're good looking. And he doesn't love us because we're spiritual. He loves us because he made a decision to love us. He loves us because he decided he was going to love us. Even though we were his enemies. Now, if I've come to Christ that way, and everybody has, there's absolutely nothing for me to be proud of. And here's the, here's the problem with pride. Here's the problem with me not seeing it the way God sees it. I put myself outside the place of mercy. I need mercy, and I need mercy every day. It's, it's of his mercy. <clears throat> you know, his, his, his mercies are new every morning in my life. I need mercy from God every day. Now, mercy is completely undeserved. You know, here's the way some of us wake up. We wake up and we think, oh, did I, did I do enough today, yesterday, to, to earn God's favor? No, you didn't. But you know what? There's mercy available to you. Now, if you think you did enough yesterday to earn God's favor today, here's what you're doing. You're actually putting in your, yourself in the place of no mercy. Because if God is to deal with you based on your just desserts, Right? Like if, God, if God is to give you what you deserve, right? you'd never get anything from God. Because you deserve nothing. And you see, when we get proud, we put ourselves in the place where we're looking for what we deserve from God. And looking for what we deserve from God completely destroys our Christian lives. Now, look at me at um, Luke 18. Luke 18 and verse 9. And he spake this parable unto them which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but he smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, now the, the, the Pharisee is saying, oh, I'm, listen, I'm so, so glad I'm nice and that you like me and that I've kind of earned a place. And the Bible says that he prayed to himself, thus to himself. But he's, he's focused on how good he is. Now, <laughs> the publican comes in completely different. The publican comes in, and what he's saying is, God, be merciful. That's God's coinage. Always. Never changes. Merciful. Everything I have ever received from God, I have received on the basis of mercy. I did not receive it because I earned it. I did not receive it because I deserved it. I received it on the basis of mercy. I will never come to the place in my life where I've done enough good that I can change the currency from mercy to deserve. 
Because here's the deal. <clears throat> I had a debt I couldn't pay, right? I owed $5 million. Couldn't pay it. Jesus paid it all. Debt was wiped out. Okay? Now, if I want to go to God on the basis of um, what I deserve, if I want to open the books up and say, now, hang on a minute, this is not just mercy now. I've done all these things since I was saved. Let's open up the books. What he does is he opens up the books and there's five million owed and there's all the good works O'Gorman has done in his lifetime. And you know what? I'm way more than a few pennies short. I'm never getting there. My, the economy God deals in is an economy of mercy. It's never an economy of giving you what you deserve. It's really, if we would just think it through, asking God to give us what we deserve is ridiculous. What we need to be asking God is for mercy. Now, the Pharisee uh, is looking at himself and saying, well, I do this and this and this and this and this. And he doesn't realize he's got a five million debt that he can never pay. But he's saying, well, I got this and, and this and this and this and this going on, and I'm so glad that I'm like that. And the publican is going in and saying, listen, I got this huge debt, I'm a sinner. But God, would you be merciful? Now, God can respond to that. That's, that's something God can respond to. He can't respond to, this is what I deserve. Now, there's, there's several, several sides to this that you really need to catch, right? <clears throat> First of all, it's not what you earn with God. You'll never earn enough. You'll never earn enough. So it's not a case of you earning with God. Okay? <clears throat> now, you know what that means? That means you may be here with absolutely nothing to offer. Sunday morning and you've come to church and you know what, you feel like you're <clears throat> the lowest of the low and you've got nothing to offer. You're in the right economy because you're looking for mercy. That's where the publican is. He's, he's looking for mercy. You see, mercy applies right where we're at. Wherever you're at today, mercy can apply. That's God's coinage. That's what God works in. So mercy can apply. You can avail of mercy right now. It's only when you get to the place where you're kind of proud. It's only when you get to the place where you're counting yourself as, well, I used to be poor in spirit, but you know what? The truth is, I've earned a few brownie points in my time. I've climbed up the ladder. I've gotten a little bit higher on the scale. You know what? I, I'm in good shape to get what I deserve now. You step out of the economy of mercy and into economy of what you deserve, and God doesn't deal in that economy. There's only one way he could deal in that economy, and that's give you hell. He doesn't deal in that economy. So being poor in spirit is recognizing myself, I have nothing. Absolutely nothing. Now, everybody that gets saved comes to the cross that way. Everybody that gets saved. They come to the cross, they realize they're a sinner, they realize they have nothing to offer. They say, oh, Lord, I'm a sinner. And <clears throat> they cry out, and listen, mercy avails and mercy helps them. Mercy saves them. It's, it's always, <clears throat> it's, it's not by works of righteousness we have done, but according to his mercy. He saved us. But we rapidly get away from mercy 
and we get back in the place where we're kind of strutting our stuff and thinking we're okay. I want to give you a scenario. It's not in the Bible, right? <clears throat> Let me finish reading, the, reading about the publican here, and then we'll, <clears throat> we'll, uh, I'll give you another scenario, right? <clears throat> and the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. All right? <clears throat> now, so the Pharisee went away, prayed to himself, God didn't hear him. He wasn't justified. He was still in his sins. He was going to hell. The publican, on the other hand, was justified. Here, the guy's never done a decent thing in his life. But he cried out to God for mercy, and God gave him mercy. All right. So that's fine. So the Pharisee goes off completely oblivious to himself, and the publican goes off feeling like the load's being lifted. You know, that day, something happened. Don't understand. But something happened. And so he goes along, and next week, he hears Jesus preaching a sermon. And Jesus starts speaking about this Pharisee and this publican. And he says, hey, that's me. I'm the publican. I'm the guy who went away justified. And the other guy, for all this, listen, you know what? He didn't get justified. He didn't get hurt. I got hurt. He didn't get hurt. You know what? I'm the right kind of Christian. I think I'm doing okay. I think I'm pretty good. Immediately what he's doing is he's stepping out of the economy of mercy and into the economy of just desserts, and we do it all the time. We do it all the time. We go rapidly from the place where I need mercy to God. Listen, I'm, I'm doing okay here. And you see, <clears throat> being poor in spirit is absolutely critical to us. Being the poor in spirit <clears throat> is central issue. There's, 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 there's no way around it for us. There's no way that we can actually be Christians apart from being poor in spirit. Oh yeah, you can be saved. You can be going to heaven. But you can't have that blessed Christian life. You see, pride creeps in so easily for us and lifts us from the economy of mercy. And you see, if I got here by mercy, I'm not going around looking down my nose on everybody else, am I? I think it's a brilliant, brilliant illustration, brilliant, brilliant picture. You know, <clears throat> giving the gospel is one sinner telling another sinner where he found, one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. Now, <clears throat> what does that mean? It means you were a beggar. Means you couldn't afford to buy your own bread. It means you didn't, you weren't able to actually take care of it all yourself. You were in desperate need, but you found somewhere where there was bread given, being given out, and and you received it. And you go, hey, let me show you where I got bread. Now, what often happens in Christianity is we go out into the world and we're, well, you know what, <clears throat> Lord, I am so glad that I'm a Christian, and I'm going to heaven, and these poor people. Sin and sin and sin against you, and they're wrong and they're bad and they're wicked. And we step from economy, an economy of mercy, to an economy of just desserts, just like that. Because our view of the world is one where there's pride. Listen, we have nothing to be proud about. Remember this whenever you look at yourself with pride, you're stepping out of it. And by the way, <laughs> God loves you as his child. 
Do you, do you know what happens when you step when you, when you step out in pride? He doesn't come down and smite you and paste you all over the place. Here's what he does: he humbles you. He shows you what you really are. That ever happened to you? Where God shows you what you really are, and the problem is you got above mercy. You were looking for your just desserts, and God said, okay, let me help you here. You need to come back to the place of the poor in spirit. And he shows you what you are. It's a dangerous game for us to play when we let, when, when we let that pride rise, when we come to the place where we think we're okay. You see, <clears throat> and one of the complicating factors for us is that we live in a world that promotes it. It promotes think well of yourself. The world says, blessed are the strong, for they shall rule the earth. Blessed are the mighty, for they shall rise to power. Blessed are the rich, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the influential, for they shall be favored. Blessed are the popular, for they shall be loved. Blessed are the gifted, for they shall be followed. Blessed are the beautiful, for they shall be admired. And Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You know what? In and of my flesh, I have nothing to offer God. And I never will. Anything I've been able to do good, I've done because the Spirit of God did it. If I did, it wasn't good, no matter how it looked. Anything that counts is because of what he did in me. See, one day we're going to stand before the judgment seat of God, and we're going to receive rewards for what we've done. And here's the, the, you know, the, the, the thing that's going to be so hard for us. Everything he's rewarding us for, we're going to very much know that, that was something he did. I didn't do that. He did it. Every, every reward that comes our way is going to be something that he did. None of it's going to be us. It's all going to be him. It's all going to be what he did through us. <clears throat> we need to understand it's all of him. There's a song that's written in, in Rock of Ages. One of the verses goes this way. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless fly to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or I die. That's the way we come. That's the way we come to him. And our flesh doesn't get better. It's all of him. And if I remember that, that keeps me in the place of mercy. And that's the economy I want to live in for my life. I want to live in the place where, you know, listen, I'm dependent upon mercy. I don't want to come to the place where I think I've earned it. Because I haven't earned anything. It's mercy. You see, when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know what? When I keep my heart humble before him, when I keep in the place where I recognize I have nothing, and I am nothing, and it's all of him and his grace and his mercy. I can stay in the smile of God. I can stay in the smile of God. And when I'm in that smile of God, you know what? The kingdom of heaven is mine. But when I come to the place where it's me and I'm doing it and I've got to do it and God needs to recognize that I'm doing it, I've become the publican. And nothing's going on then. And it's so easy for us. It's so easy for us to get in that place. Listen, <clears throat> in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Uh, Lewis Berry Schaefer was <clears throat> uh, um, in a train station one day. And he looked into a man. He saw the man reading the Bible. 
in um, one, of the, one of the station houses. And he saw this man reading the, reading the Bible, and he said to him, are you saved? And he said, no, I'll never be good enough to be saved. I couldn't, I couldn't be good enough to be saved. And so Schaefer said this to him. He said, what if God were to make a special exception for you and give it to you as a free gift? What would you do with that? And the guy said, well, I'm no fool. I would take it instantly. So Schaefer said, well, read Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the guy read it. And so Schaefer says to him, the the guy was thrilled. He said, you've done more for me than any man could do. And he said, what have I done for you? I've got you in a trap. What did you say you would do? I said, I would receive it if God made a special case for me and would give it to me as a gift. Well, you've read that he will, so what are you going to do about it? And the guy got saved right there and then. He got saved, he trusted him, because it was just a gift. Now listen, your salvation was a gift. Your sanctification is a gift. Everything from the moment you got saved is a gift. If you stay in that economy, you can live a blessed life. If you get outside that economy... What you're going to find is you're going to find, listen, it doesn't work. You're going to find yourself like the public and you're going to find yourself praying to the ceiling. God doesn't work in an economy where you're getting what you deserve. God works in an economy of mercy. Now, that's wonderful news for us because you may come this morning and you may be in sin. There's mercy. There's mercy available to you. You say, well... My problem is I'm proud. There's mercy available for that too. There's mercy available. You may come and you're not even saved. There's mercy. What you need to recognize is, Lord, I have nothing to offer, but I'm coming to you. And I'm depending upon you. And Lord, it's mercy I'm looking for. Not what I deserve. And you know what you're going to find? You're going to find a God who is abundant in mercy. Let's stand for prayer. Father in heaven, would you bless us now this morning? Lord, deal with hearts, I pray. Lord, may we not miss what's on freely on offer for me this morning. But Lord, where there's in need, Lord, would you cause that heart to turn to you and seek mercy, and Lord, we know you'll meet it. Now, Lord, bless him this time in Jesus' name. As the piano plays and as God has dealt with you, just step out of your seat and come do business with him.